and it is Jesus who makes today glorious. Good morning, I'm Wilfred Jack, and welcome to Echoes of Calvary with Senior Pastor Robert Elliott. We're glad that you've joined us this morning. Today, we begin a four-part series for the month of December in Luke chapter 2 that we have entitled, The Best Christmas Gift is Jesus. In this first lesson, we will see God's total control over human history and how this was revealed in the circumstances of Jesus' birthplace. God is still in full control. This includes the control of your life. God indeed has a plan for you, even when you have no plan for yourself. Now here's Pastor Elliot. Well, a very blessed Christmas season to each and every one of you, our valued listeners. This morning, I'd like to look at the very beginning of the account in Luke 2, verses 1 through 4. Now, it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all were proceeding to register for the census according to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. I see God's sovereign control over the events of human history in these four short verses. In verse 1 again, and now it came about in those days, particular days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Rome had to be ruling the known world for Caesar Augustus to have a decree that the world would have to obey. Verse 2, this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. History tells us that Quirinius apparently had two censuses that he was a part of, this one, which took place sometime between 4 BC and AD 1, and then Quirinius was involved in a second census, which was taken in AD 6. Obviously, it was this first census that Quirinius was a part of that Jesus' parents were a part of, that they had an obligation to go and register. Now, the sovereignty of God also extends to the nature of this census. Who would you have to align yourself with with respect to the census roll call, the husband of a married family or the wife? Well, the requirement was that it was the husband's line and lineage that determined where the family unit went to register. Well, we learn in these verses that Joseph... Uh, Jesus' adoptive father or, or foster father, because God the Father was Jesus' father. Jesus was conceived in a miraculous virgin birth. It says in verse 3, And all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And again, it was the city of the male in the family unit, not the city of the female. Verse 4, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, 
because he, Joseph, was of the house and family of David. And I'll stop at the comma. The sovereign control of God extending to Rome ruling the known world, to Caesar Augustus deciding to do a census, to it being the first census in Governor Quirinius's leadership time, to being that the registrants were to go to the census based on the male of the household and not the female, took them to Bethlehem, and in Micah, the prophet Micah, chapter 5 and verse 2, but as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathath, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth from me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Micah was God's prophet seven centuries before the birth of Christ. Think about that. 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Micah, moved by the Holy Spirit, predicted that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was not a big place. Bethlehem was not a prominent place. Bethlehem was a place that most people were happy to overlook. But that's where the Messiah was to be born according to prophecy. And because God is in control of everything, he orchestrated everything such that the Lord Jesus Christ would be born in Bethlehem. He used a Caesar, he used a governor, he used a census, he used a protocol within the census that you went to register where your male household member's family came from. What a God. Whatever you face this December, whatever you face in 2017, take comfort, take hope that your God is in control. He is not wringing his hands in heaven when something happens and saying, oh dear, oh dear, look what happened. What am I going to have to do about that? No, no. Your God, the true God, the God of Scripture, is sovereign. He was to orchestrate Jesus being born in Bethlehem, and he continues to be sovereign for each of you. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. Today's Help for the Hearing segment is brought to you by Calvary Bible Church's Christian Counseling Center. The center is located at 58 Collins Avenue, Nassau, Bahamas. If you would like an appointment or more information, dial 323-7000. That's 323-7000. Or email them at cccbahamas at gmail.com. And now, Pastor Robert Elliott. Good morning. I'm very pleased to have in our recording studio this morning uh, three colleagues from the University of the Bahamas who have training in the matters of counseling. I have uh, Professor Anastasia Forbes. Good morning. Good morning. Professor Vicente Roberts and Dr. Suzanne Newbold. Good, Good morning, morning, everyone. Good, Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. So thank you for being here. This morning we want to address a very uh, important topic that 
is something that faces Bahamians uh, of every walk of life, and that is depression. And of course, sometimes depression leads to suicidal thoughts or actual suicide, which is so sad. So I'm going to talk to our friends about these needs, and they will bring some light to bear on depression and suicide. Uh, Dr. Suzanne, where would you like to start this morning on that? I really would like to for us to focus in on understanding and then preventing suicide. Mm -hmm. I think that depression could be subsumed under that topic. Yes. Because so many individuals that are depressed can move in the direction of suicide. Yes. Mm -hmm. What would be a definition of depression? Is this just feeling blue one morning when you wake up? Or what is depression? Well, we can see it as a continuum. Um, first of all, we have to appreciate that depression can be a biological issue. Mm -hmm. It can be related to some of the neurological dynamics of the brain and the neurotransmitters and what have you. And this is why um, psychiatrists use medication. But besides that, we think of the continuum from feeling blue to sad on to a really negative, sad expression of feeling hopeless, helpless, that there's no way out. Uh, a lot of negative thoughts. And uh, as a result of those negative thoughts, physiologically, the person can experience things like even constipation, issues of feeling overwhelmingly tired, issues of not being able to think clearly, and uh, not being able to articulate really how they are feeling. It's just an overwhelming feeling of being in the dumps and being out of it. Yes, and that is um, something that this, this list of symptoms, I think, can be very helpful. I understand that sleep uh, patterns can also be a symptom. What would you see yes. in that regard? I think the insufficient or the lack of sleep thereof, um, I think that can create. Also, diet can be... Um, an issue as well. And also side effects of some drugs, because, you know, if we are on certain medications for different illnesses, we know if we look at the side effects, we know that depression, fatigue, all those things can be a contributing factor to that as well. Yes. I think that what we're talking about here is not a temporary mood that you're down in the dumps, but it's no, almost but a non-functioning. Ongoing. Mm -hmm. yeah. In terms of sleep as well, early morning rising and inability to, to stay sleeping. Some people um, have a different pattern of sleep interruptions. Some people have difficulty falling to sleep mm -hmm. and sustaining and being able to, to, to maintain a sleep through the night. Yeah. Um, and that's the early waking that mm -hmm. you talk. Others sleep too long. Mm -hmm. They sleep for mm -hmm. hours yes. and hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in that case, it's on the opposite um, exactly. end of the spectrum there, but they're all sleep disturbances. But we have a whole lot of other symptoms. But with the depression, it's a clinical depression. It's not just like a day. Mm -hmm. It's at least two weeks mm -hmm. of a whole series of symptoms or signs you might choose to look 
the individual may not cover everyone, but from a list, like loss of interest in normal daily activities mm -hmm. will be one symptom that right. could be very prominent, you know. A sense of hopelessness is very prevalent in depressed individuals. Their ability to concentrate becomes impaired. Mm -hmm. uh, their focus gets lost. And so there may be accompanying irritability mm -hmm. that's uh, prevalent. And you know that this person might not have had that type of behavior patterns mm -hmm. before, but they're irritable and agitated, you know. So they may become easily angered, you know. So you you see these changes occurring. Yeah, and Pastor Rob, I'd like to mention um, children and adolescents can also express or experience um, depression. Mm. Uh, it's difficult a lot of times to make a diagnosis of depression in children and adolescents. And it really requires that we take our time and appreciate the changes that we see going on. Um, you might find uh, children are very irritable, um, having difficulty sleeping, very clingy, mm -hmm. um, crying a lot, and, and you're wondering what's going on. Part of it is that extreme sense of sadness, and a change has occurred, and uh, it's disrupted their lives. So it's understandable that they would feel um, sad or they may have lost their house or a loved one or mm -hmm. something that's familiar mm -hmm. and uh, it, it rocks their world yes so to speak and and of course we know the experience of adolescence depending on which phase of adolescence they're in the middle phase is usually a cognitive one um, where they're trying to understand the world and see where they fit in and they, they think that they're invulnerable and invincible but they see things falling apart and they're in, in an extreme way and, and they just can't hold on and, and catch. And then there's the dynamics of their interpersonal relationships and their inability to express themselves a lot of time and identify feelings and express them appropriately. Emotional intelligence. This is all very helpful. Anastasia, you were going to add something. And also, too, um, there's a term called learned helplessness, where if they have been in a situation and they don't have the coping skills or the skills to be able to cope with their situation, they could find themselves over and repeatedly experiencing a sense of failure because, you know, um, experiencing a sense of failure because they are not um, able to rectify the situation. So mm -hmm. I think that could be the onset of depression as well. Yeah, yeah. Like the lack of tools. Lack of tools. Mm -hmm. It's um, important. Yeah, that, yeah, and one of the tasks we have as caregivers is to help facilitate, promote, mm -hmm. and enhance scoping mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. also management skills, life management skills. Yes. Decision-making and problem-solving. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a prime example. At the University of the Bahamas right now, I find myself walking around campus in the front of the library in particular, and I see students with their heads on the post or um, extremely glary eyes and um, just like they're in a daze. And I would make it my business to stop and ask them, 
how are you doing? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, encourage them to come and talk. Many of them are feeling overwhelmed mm-hmm. and, and, and sort of moving into that space of, of hopelessness. And, and sometimes it just takes you saying a word of encouragement and getting them to appreciate that they can experience a sense of connectedness and being able to stand and pull it together. After the storm, they're finding that a lot of faculty are putting a lot of pressure on them to complete curriculum and, and stuff and to catch up. And they are, are feeling a sense of uh, a sadness that, hey, listen, I got a failing grade. Am I going to be able to make it up or something? They don't feel like they have enough time to do that. So we're, we're finding even more so in our population, that kind of expression. And we really need to ensure that we uh, provide the kind of scaffolding that they need to know that they can problem solve and they can find their way through this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Some reading I've done in the past would suggest that a minimum of 15% of any population will suffer with some form of mental illness in their lifetimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm mindful of that when I am teaching or preaching to a group of people. Sit back, listen up for a short Christmas devotional we'd like to share with you. The title of this Christmas devotional is The Gift. It's by Dr. Sue Edwards, who is the Assistant Professor of Christian Education at Dallas Theological Seminary. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Consider the upside of an economic downturn at Christmas. People won't be buying this year's gifts with next year's money. Sales begin in November instead of January. You won't search endlessly for a parking spot at the mall or stand in lines the length of football fields at the post office. Your feet won't ache. You won't have to wrestle with crowds to face grumpy sales clerks. Parents and grandparents won't overindulge kids with excessive gifts soon forgotten, and businesses won't be so quick to measure the value of this Christmas by the bottom line. You won't have to exchange unwanted gifts for stuff you don't need. And you may not buy that outrageously expensive Christmas tree that soon sits withered by the curb. Consider what is free at Christmas. Christmas spirit, goodwill to all, hugs and gratitude, singing carols, eating homemade goodies, worshiping with friends and family, lighting candles on Advent wreaths, and reading stories about the true meaning of Christmas, playing games and sharing traditions, trimming the tree together, decorating the house with craft projects like popcorn wreaths and gingerbread cottages, nestling by a crackling fire recalling tales about Granddad and Aunt Sarah, howling at Timmy's attempt to tell a silly joke. Simply Christmas. Free Christmas. The way to spend Christmas is far more important than how much. But then again, the incarnation which we celebrate at Christmas was never really free. It came at great cost to God the Father, who loved us enough to give us his only Son, that we might always enjoy the significance of Christmas. Paul told the Corinthians, You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 11 and 15. 
That gift is Jesus. Make him the focus of your Christmas. An abundant, simple Christmas will be yours for the taking. And that's the greatest upside of an economic downturn at Christmas. This Christmas devotional is titled The Last Words of Christ in Heaven. It's written by Dr. Stanley Toussaint, Senior Professor Emeritus of Bible Exposition at the Dallas Theological Seminary. The scripture verses are Hebrews 10, verses 5, 6, and 7. Therefore, when he comes into the world and says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me, in whole and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come, bracket, in the scroll of the book it is written of me, end bracket, to do your will, O God. It is pure speculation to assert that these were the last words of Christ before he became a baby in the womb of Mary, but they may have been. In Psalm 40, verses 6 and 7, which the writer of Hebrews quotes here, David shows profound theological insight into the heart of God. He recognized that God was not satisfied with rituals and religious exercises like sacrifices and meal offerings. What God desires is a life that is completely dedicated to obey and serve him. David knew that it was his personal responsibility to submit totally to God. As David's greater son, the Lord Jesus ultimately fulfilled this model. God's will was fully accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ when he took on human form and completely obeyed the Lord's good pleasure finally to die on the cross and to be resurrected. The writer to the Hebrews adds that the Old Testament sacrificial system was replaced by Christ's offering of himself once for all. See Hebrews 10, verse 10. Bloody and non-bloody sacrifices no longer were necessary. A better system has taken their place because in Christ, sins are paid for in full. That is why Hebrews 10, verse 12 says, he sat down and he is now waiting to reign, verse 13. Praise God. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliot. John chapter 3 Verse 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, who was wondering about how to get to heaven, John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
question simply is, what does Jesus mean by the phrase born again? Jesus explains what he means by the term born again, literally in the Greek, born from above, in the verses that follow verse 3. That is John chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Let me read those verses. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So it is clear that Jesus is not talking about another physical birth. Physical birth happens only once. The new birth Jesus refers to is a spiritual rebirth. This involves entering into the new covenant through a personal faith in Jesus Christ. The person who is born from above experiences a heavenly birth brought about by the Holy Spirit resulting in a regenerated life. The only way to enter God's kingdom, the only way of becoming one of God's people, is through being born again. And listener, if you do not know that you have been born again, probably you have not been born again. You are born again by acknowledging your sin problem before God, by believing that Jesus is the only remedy to your sin problem, and by looking to Him in faith, trusting Him and only Him to forgive your sins to give you spiritual life where you have been spiritually dead and to make you brand new. Listening to me this morning on the radio, you could come to that decision. You could pray something like this. Dear God, you are holy and I am not. I do not deserve to be your child, but I thank you that Jesus Christ loved me enough to die in my place on the cross, to shed his blood to pay for all of my sins. Right now, I trust him and only him to be my savior to make me alive out of my deadness, to cause me to be adopted into your family, Father. I trust Jesus and only Jesus now. I want to be born again. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you pray that, I'm delighted to welcome you into God's forever family. That is what it means to be born again. And now that you are born again, you are destined for heaven. Not as something you could earn, but as something you could only receive by the hand of faith as a gift. Now you want to live a thank you kind of life to Jesus who's made your born again experience possible. That thank you kind of life means turning from sin, means changing how you look at life, means getting with others who are born again in a church, means reading the Bible each day and finding out more about God's love for you. It means telling others how they need to be born again and how they can be born again. Salvation is free. It costs Jesus everything, but it's free to us. But now that we receive that gift of salvation, we need to live a thank you kind of life back to God. We'd be delighted here at Echoes of Calvary to hear from you that you've become born again today on the radio broadcast time, and that we could help you to find a good Bible-believing church near where you live, maybe send you some literature to get you started on your new life with Christ. But again, welcome to God's Forever Family. God bless you. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at 
eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.